Welcome to the podcast of Koinonia Okotoks Youth. Thank you for joining us as we study the word. Good morning, everybody, uh, and welcome. It's great to be with you guys. Um, I'm happy to be able to say that this morning we are finally moving on from the book of Ecclesiastes, and we will be moving into the book of First and Second Kings, starting with First Kings chapter 1 this morning. And I've entitled this series that we're going to be doing through these books, Lessons from Kings. We're going to be looking at uh, the different kings in Israel during the Third and the Fourth Kingdoms, which is everybody from basically Solomon on. And uh, we're going to be doing more of an overview, which will be picking out the helpful applications which uh, show up along the way. So we're not going to be doing a very detailed, historic uh, messages. It's going to be more of an overview. Um, So this morning we're going to be bravely covering the entire first chapter, which is about 53 verses. Um, And I've entitled this message, God Raises Kings. And I've broken it down into four sections. The first one is Adonijah exalts himself. The second is Solomon petitioned. Third, Solomon crowned king. And fourth, mercy shown to Adonijah. Let's pray and then we will uh, dive on into this message. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for... um, this new book series that we're going to be going through. Lord, I just pray that as we uh, dive on into this, that we'll really be able to take the applications that you were showing us here and, and applying it to our lives. Lord, help us to learn from these kings, these lessons. Lord, I want to pray this all in your name. Amen. So, starting in verses 1 through 10, we see it says, Now King David was old, advanced, and advanced in years And they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Therefore, his servants said to him, Let a young woman, a virgin, be sought for our lord the king, and let her stand before the king, and let her care for him, and let her lie in your bosom, that our lord the king may be warm. So they sought for a lovely young woman throughout all of the territory of Israel, and found Abishag, the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The young woman was very lovely, and she cared for the king and served him, but the king did not know her. Then Adonijah, son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king, and he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him, and his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, Why have you done so? He was also very good-looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and Abathar the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zadok the priest, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, Rai, and the mighty men were not who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatted cattle by the stone of Zoleth, which is in by Enrogel. He also invited his all his brothers and the king's son and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan, the prophet, Benaniah, the mighty men, or Solomon, his brother. 
So we start here with David on his deathbed, or at least in a very weakened state. Based on the wording of the passage, it could sound as though Solomon is this elderly fellow who is small and fragile, like going through a, a retirement home, a senior's home, right? He can't he can't even rule over his own nation, yet as little as keep warm himself. But realistically, David is only 70s, in his 70s, which is probably younger than most of y'all were thinking, right? Remember that though David wasn't old, he had lived a full life, and, and his engine, per se, had ra- racked up quite the mileage. He lived a really full life. So, through the rest of verses 1 through 4, uh, we meet this young virgin by the name of Abishag, who looked after the king while he was in this weakened state. There may be a few things listed here which sound kind of alarming, but I want to assure you that while they sound wrong to us, they weren't necessarily frowned upon in the same way back then. For example, having a concubine was a normal thing for a king, even though it was not looked upon as right per se, it was still normal. We we look at it as it's wrong because, you know, there's more than one woman and that doesn't seem upright at all. Now, what I really want to look at here is that she cared for David. She cared for David while he was in a weak state. Also, the fact that he is weak is pointing out the fact that David's reign, like the sun, is setting. The question is, who will lead the nation of Israel after him? Luckily, we see one of his sons step up and claim the throne. It says, and now Adonijah, though he is not totally wrong here to assume that the throne is his to take, seeing as he is the fourth eldest son of David and the only one who is still alive and fit to rule. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, uh, we see this order of the, the sons. It says, Sons were born to David in Hebron. His first was Amnon by Anohim, by Aniohim, the Jezreelite. His second, Chiliab, by Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. The third, Absalom, the son of Maka, the daughter of Talmia king of Geshur, and the fourth, Adoniah, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. So, Adonijah goes ahead and exalts himself, taking with him horsemen, chariots, and 50 soldiers to go before him. Now, that is very, that is something very reminiscent to what we see in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Which says, after this it happened that Absalom provided himself chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. So that's uh, literally the exact same thing that, uh, that Adonijah did. Now I can tell you right now it didn't work out for Absalom because Absalom is no longer living. So great person to take after. But I want to I look here quickly at, at uh, a list of problems first off that we see here in verses 5 through 10. The first one is, Adonijah exalted himself. Okay, so, 
Israel is a nation ruled by God. Israel is not meant to be like the other nations, where they have the kingly royal lines and successors come from the same royal line after year after year after year, death after death. It's like the same line that just goes on forever. Or until somebody else takes over and then their line goes up. Like That's not what Israel was meant to be. Israel was meant to be a nation ruled by God. God appointed the kings, not man. Saul, Jonathan would have been, Saul's son Jonathan would have been in line for the throne, yet Jonathan wasn't given the throne, David was. So that's what we see wrong here. Adonijah exalted himself. He just saw that logically he's the next king. He didn't wait for David and he didn't wait for God to appoint him as the king. He just exalted himself. Now, the other thing, like all of David's kids, he was not a man of character. He didn't take no for an answer, nor was he ever punished. Rebuking brings forth character, and he shies away from it. David never rebuked him. So that's a bad recipe for raising a kid. And the next thing we saw, or see here, is that he consulted with the general and he consulted with the high priest before he consulted with God or his prophet, Nathan. My, my encouragement here is don't act before you're consulting God. Don't just assume and, and, and act. Right? Another thing we see is that Nathan and the mighty men, they weren't for him. And neither that, they were, they were also not invited to the banquet that's, that Adonijah had, right? On top of that, he sacrificed to God and then used this meat that he sacrificed for the banquet. It's like, hey, let's go have a let's go have a tailgate. Let's go have a barbecue. We'll use all this stuff and sacrifice to God, but we'll use it for our party. And I like I already said, Nathan, the mighty men, and Solomon were a few of the few not invited to this party. So really all in all, Adonijah forgot that God is the one who raises and lowers kings. This is God's nation, not man's. It's not to take after man. Adonijah was not the chosen successor, even though he was the rightful heir according to man. And as we continue this story this morning, we'll see who actually is this chosen successor. Who's the, who's the next king of Israel? Adonijah is not a man of character. He exalts himself. He can't take, and he, he can't take no and he shies away from rebuke. And he looks to man first before God. That is not what God looks for. He looks for men and women of character and especially when he's looking for the king that is going to rule over his nation. So Adonijah is, is, is wrong in what he's doing. Moving on here to verses 11 through 27, we're going to see that uh, Solomon is petitioned for the, the, the job by his mother. First, we're going to look at verses 11 through 14. It says, uh, So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? 
Come, please, let me now give you advice that you may save your your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Then, while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So first here in these first couple verses, or few verses, we see Nathan coaching Bathsheba in what she shall say to David. There are a couple of things I'd like to point out before we move on here to the rest of uh, verse 15 through 27. First, David doesn't know what's going on in his own kingdom. Nathan says that Adonijah has assumed control or become king, and David is still unaware. This fact also helps us to see the illegitimate nature of Adonijah's ex- Adonijah exalting himself and making himself king. David, the king, didn't support this, nor did he even know about it. That's concerning. Second, Nathan is giving advice so that the lives of Bathsheba and Solomon will be saved. Remember, Solomon was among those who were not invited to the feast for Adonijah's supporters. Solomon also held a claim to the throne, and by informing David, it would save their lives because Adonijah would very likely have to have tried to kill them. It's just what kings did in that day. You know, if there was still family who had claim, they would kill him. Or anybody who had claim, they would kill him just so that all the enemies were rooted out. Or, yeah, pulled out. Okay, so David didn't know. And Nathan was trying to help Bathsheba and Solomon save their lives. Now it says in verses 15 through 27, So Bathsheba went into the chamber of the king, to the king. Now the king was very old. And Abishag the Shemite was serving the king. And Bathsheba bowed and paid bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, What is your wish? Then she said to him, My lord, you swore that by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly Solomon your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king, and now, my lord, the king, You did not even know about it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king, Abathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon your servant he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, it will happen when my lord, the king, rests with his fathers, and that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. And just then, while she was talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. So they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came before the king, he bowed down and said to the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, Have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today 
and he has sacrificed oxen and fatted cattle and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons, and the commander of the army, and Abathar the priest, and look, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, Long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaniah the Jehoiada, nor the servants, your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by the Lord the king, and have you not told your servant who, who should sit on the throne of my Lord the king after him? So what we see here is a, the plan being enacted. They're, they're laying it out. So everything that they had previously stated was the plan. They're, they're just following through with it. So Bathsheba comes in explaining the situation, mentioning how David promised her that Solomon would reign after he died. Now, first off, I just want to say that's quite the claim. So I want to look at the evidence before we go forward. I want you guys to turn with me to uh, uh, well, First Chronicles chapter 28, verses 5 through 6. It says, And all of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the, of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, It is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. So David, he, he mentioned this while expressing his own desire to build the temple of God. You know, David being a man after God's own heart, he, he really wanted to build this. But God said no, because he had too much blood on his hands. Instead, Solomon would build the temple. Now, if Solomon was to build the temple, that means that Solomon was to be king. So this being from God, I would say that's a pretty good claim to the throne. Right? We also see Nathan is the next to enter the scene, as per the plan. He comes in asking David if, he said that Adonijah was to reign after him, or that Adonijah was to sit on the throne. He also proceeded to explain what exactly Adonijah was doing. This includes him rallying supporters, sacrificing, and feasting. Nathan also asks if maybe David did appoint Adonijah to be king, and he was just not informed. Because I want you to remember, the last time that we saw Nathan talking to David was in 2 Samuel when he was rebuking David for sleeping with Bathsheba and then killing Uriah. The question, I believe, is fairly reasonable. Maybe David just did it without telling him. You know, I wouldn't say that they're the closest in the world anymore. Just saying. Right? As we move on, we're going to take a look at uh, what happens in this situation next, as David will crown a successor. It says, and uh, we're going to move on to the third point, Solomon crowned king. And I feel like that gives you a pretty good hint at what happens next. Starting off with uh, verses 28 through 30, we see it says, Then David, King David answered this and said, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, he who has redeemed my life and every distress from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. So we see here that 
David is confirming the promise he previously made that Solomon would reign after him. Not only that, he does it with incredible haste. David says, assuredly, Solomon will be king after me, and I will see to it today. David isn't wasting any time. David is also giving up the throne that very day. Solomon doesn't have to wait until David dies to receive the throne. He doesn't have to wait for David to die to become king over Israel. He's being anointed to be king that very day. And David's stepping down. You know, when it's right, things will just fall into place faster than you could ever imagine. Right? Adonijah exalted himself, and yet, look, he was still not a king. Right? And he and he also still has to wait until David dies to even get the throne. Solomon doesn't have to wait. He's anointed that day. Moving on, looking at verses 31 through uh, verses 40, it says, Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord and have Solomon ride, my son ride on my mule and take him to Gahon. There, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaniah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen, may the Lord my God, the Lord the king, say so too. As the Lord has been with my Lord the King, so even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, the Chethrites, the Pelethites, went down, had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gahon. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed him, and they blew the horn and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Now here we see that the arrangements for Solomon's anointing are being made. As Adonijah is out sacrificing, feasting, gathering support, plans, planning to be king, Solomon is being anointed in David's place. Now, before we move on here, I do want to point out something that I thought was kind of weird. And I'm sure as I was reading the verses, you thought it was weird too. Bathsheba saying to David, let my Lord, the King, King David live forever. Remember, David is on his deathbed here. I feel like that's just a saying that they use back then, but it is kind of weird seeing as David's dying. Just saying. Anyways, moving on. I want you guys to notice that there are three people or three leaders that David calls to himself to make these arrangements. We see uh, Zadok the priest, uh, Benaniah the Jehoiada, 
of Jehoiada and uh, Nathan the prophet. All three of whom were not invited nor supported Adonijah's claim. David was old. He was weak. He was frail. You know, he was, he was, he was dying. But he was not oblivious about those he could trust. He knew who was loyal to him. Joab was not one. Uh, Zadok the priest was not one. Right? There's a the list goes on. But he knows who was loyal. Now we also see here that Solomon was to ride on David's mule. Now I see that there's a lot of significance here. John Woodhouse put it this way. There's a stark demonstration that David was publicly handing authority over to Solomon. While the mule seems to have been regarded as a rare beast in Israel, available only for the privileged, there is an obvious contrast between this display of Solomon's promotion and Adonijah's pompous entourage. Many years later, Jesus would ride into Jerusalem like Solomon, not like Adonijah. You know, Solomon, he didn't have to exalt himself because God exalted him. You know, he, <laughs> later on, Jesus was to ride into Jerusalem the same way Solomon was to ride into Jerusalem as king. Now, I want to look here at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. Solomon, he wasn't out looking for exaltation like Adonijah was. Adonijah exalted himself. He wanted to get it over with, kind of, in a sense. He wanted to just take the throne. It was his in his mind, and he wanted it. He wants it so bad. Yet Solomon, Solomon didn't have to exalt himself, because God did. And moving on, we're going to see a great demonstration of mercy that Solomon shows towards Adonijah. It says in verses 41 through 53, but we're going to start with uh, 41 through 49. It says, Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, Why is the city in such a noisy uproar? While he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Abathar, the priest. And Adonijah said to him, Come in, for you are a prominent man, and bring good news. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, No, our lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent with me, with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, the Chethrites, the Pelethites, and made him ride on the king's mule. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Cajon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise in, that you have heard. So Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servant have gone and blessed our Lord David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. The king... Then the king bowed himself on the bed. Also, the king said thus, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given, me, given one to sit on my throne this day 
while my eyes see it. So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each went his way. We see Adonijah hearing the news that he is, in fact, not the king of Israel. It didn't matter how many people he got to support him. It didn't matter how how many people were on his side, whether he feasted and, and celebrated this self-exaltation. He didn't have the blessing of David, the king, nor God. We see that as this feast is ending, that he heard a noise coming from the city, and a messenger came telling him that Solomon had been given the blessing and that he had been anointed king. So this self-exaltation has come to an abrupt ending, with Adonijah not only not becoming king, but Solomon, his younger brother, being crowned that very day. This is probably very distressing for Adonijah, because his attempt to take the throne has crashed and burned. Those who were with Adonijah have all fled, and those who were not invited to this feast are triumphant while he was still feasting. I just want to think, I want you guys to think about how scared Adonijah probably was. His younger brother was not was now king, and Adonijah had not invited him to the self-exaltation party because he knew the threat he was because of his chance for the throne. Adonijah probably had questions going through his head uh, similar to this, like, what will Solomon do to me? Could my life be in danger? Should I run? What do I do? What do I do? You know, we, we see what Solomon does here, though, in the last verses this morning. In verses 50 through 53, it says, Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, so he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for he took hold uh, for Look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, If he proves himself worthy, a worthy man, not one hair on his head shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent him, sent them to bring him down from the altar, and he came and fell down, before the king, and Solomon said to him, Go to your house. So we see that Adonijah is afraid. He's fearing Solomon, so much so that he is running to the altar to grab hold of the horns. Now, it depends on where you believe the altar is here, but usually it's in Gibeon. That is, I believe, north of Israel. He's not north of Israel. He's in Enrogel, which is south or southwest of Israel. I've you kind of have to look for the maps. It's very I may be wrong looking at it, but there there's morally they're not near each other. So he had to run pretty far uh, to run and grab a hold of this altar. Now you might well what's the significance of him grabbing the altar? That was a common practice for those who were accused of something. Uh, of some crime, right? They would flee and claim 
sanctuary. It's not necessarily exactly the same as um, in Israel's under Israel's law, but there is a similar law. We see in Exodus 21, 12 through 14, that there are some people not eligible to claim this so-called sanctuary. It says, He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint you a place where you may flee. But, If a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. So what we see here, premeditation. If you are premeditating on your action against your neighbor, you're not eligible. So you can look at it as murderers, literally killing, deliberate perpetrators, deliberately acting, and rebels. Two of which Adonijah was. And they were not able to take, were not able to claim. Instead, they were to be taken away to die. Adonijah deliberately tried to take the throne. And in doing so, he was rebelling against David, who was still king. Solomon hears that Adonijah is at the altar and says, Bring him to me, that I may judge him you know Solomon here also showed mercy when he didn't have to because he told Adonijah when he got there go to your house Solomon spared his life do you guys think that Solomon would have been shown mercy if Adonijah had been the king the answer is no yet Solomon spared his life very reminiscent to David and Saul. Remember what we learned um, on Friday. Um, it would have been a couple Fridays back. But blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Showing mercy when those around you aren't are probably not going to show you mercy. David showed mercy, even though he knew Saul wasn't going to show him mercy. And now da- Solomon is showing Adonijah mercy when Adonijah would have not shown him mercy. So he's starting off on a good note. He's starting this great rule as king over Israel in a very good way. Now I want to point out quickly about Adonijah because we're going to be learning about him again next week. He's going to pop right back up. Um, but there is a there's a stipulation. There's a there's there's kind of like a unspoken rule here. Adonijah was no longer to have any dealings in the kingdom. He was to no longer have any news or or to uh, poke his head in on any um, any politics or whatever you want to call it. He couldn't have anything to do with the rule in Israel. If he did, there would be dire consequences. And we'll kind of look into... Um, what happens uh, next week uh, when we look at First uh, Kings chapter two? So, but in conclusion, this morning we have seen that Adonijah takes it upon himself to exalt himself as king over Israel after David, before David actually is dead. 
He raised up support. He sacrificed. He feasted with those who supported him. But remember, he was not a man of character. And God raises up kings that are character, men of character. And God is the one who raises the kings, not man. This is God's nation. We also saw that David kept his promise to Bathsheba and made Solomon king over Israel while Adonijah was still feasting. Solomon was anointed and took the throne that very day. When it's right, it's right, and it'll things just go quicker. Guys, it doesn't matter. I want you guys to, I want you guys, if there's one thing you could take from this, I want it to be this. It doesn't matter how many people you have on your side. If God isn't on your side. You can try to succeed on your own, but unless God is in it, you will not succeed. Remember, if God is for you, who can be against you? Now, if you reverse that, if God isn't for you, everybody is against you. Okay? You want to have God on your side. God is worth more than many people. Okay? So we saw this battle this morning between Solomon and Adonijah. And as we'll continue, we'll continue to see this battle. Solomon was merciful and the king according to God. And Adonijah was a self-exalted king who was not a man of character. I want you guys, I want to encourage you guys to take after Solomon. After, you know, learning so much about Solomon and the meaninglessness of life through Ecclesiastes, I do encourage you guys to take after Solomon here because he was right. He showed mercy when he didn't have to. He waited for God to exalt him, not he didn't go out and exalt himself. Trust in God to make the way. Don't trust in yourself to make the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this book. I thank you for this new series we're doing. Lord, I just pray that as we continue on through it, Lord, that you'll really be opening our eyes to uh, to you. Lord, to what we can apply to our lives, what we can, uh, like just how we can live for you in a time that is very hard to live for you. Lord, help us to be merciful. Help us to be men, of, men and women of character. Help us to uh, humble ourselves before you. Let you do the work. Don't don't put it on our shoulders. Lord, I want to pray this on your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to get your feedback. You can message us on our Instagram or our Facebook page.